From Sacramento, the Bishop's Radio Hour with Bob Dunning on Relevant Radio, focusing on today's issues in the context of gospel values. Now, here's Bob. That's me. Welcome to you on this beautiful day the Lord has made as we uh, move ever closer to the uh, birth of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ as we move through the Advent season. And uh, I hope it is uh, very meaningful and holy for all of our listeners and Thank you all for listening as we uh, move on to these uh, through these very, very important days on our church calendar and in our lives. Uh, this is indeed the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. And right now we're glad to welcome in Terry Burns. Terry, good day to you. Hi, Bob. Good to hear from you. Good to hear from you as well, Terry. Uh, we're, we're, we're into the uh, circle the date here. We want people to know about February 11th with the sensory-friendly Mass for Catholics at St. John the Evangelist in Carmichael. Tell us a little bit about this. Great. Well, this will be the second one we have hosted uh, diocesan-wide. The first was last year at uh, St. Clair's in Roseville. We're trying to move them around a little bit to make it convenient for folks. Um, The idea is to reduce the distractions and stimulus for those people who have disabilities that causes them to be uncomfortable in a traditional mass setting. So we um, get rid of all the bells, we get rid of the lights, we have soft music, so that it really is a very gentle, welcoming space for folks with autism or um, other uh, challenges that make it hard for them to sit still. And and it's designed, you know you're coming, there will be folks who are walking around or um, making noises and all those things. And it's, it's designed to be a space where that's okay. You shouldn't feel unhappy about that if that's, uh, if that is your child or family member's situation. Don't feel embarrassed because that's what we got going here. Yeah, I remember reading. Oh, it was a few years ago, and it was a it it wasn't at a, at a Catholic service, but it's not the point of this. But it was it was at a a Christian <laughs> service back. I think it was in the Midwest somewhere, and and there was a uh, you know a, a dis, I don't know a disruptive uh, child is the best way I could put yeah. it, and and charitably, and I don't I don't mean to cast any judgment at all. And it really split the congregation, you know, half the congregation saying, oh, well, we can't have this. You, you've got to figure something else out. And the other half saying, what's the matter with you people, you know, and. Right. And so that's what we're trying to make this just a very comfortable space that so that we're not having those judgments. People can come use their fidget spinner or uh, sitting device or whatever it is that that makes it possible for them to engage in the sacraments. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we, the diocese is really reaching out to be sure that everyone uh, gets sacraments, gets their baptism, gets their confirmation, gets their Eucharist. I mean, particularly in this year of the Eucharist, we're trying to be sure that folks feel welcome and encouraged to come. And so this, this kind of a Mass is designed to make it people comfortable for um those folks to come is is this uh, 
a, a movement uh, around the around the country or even around the globe? Uh, is this something people are really becoming aware of? It is. There is a uh, the USCCB has a group that is focusing on um, individuals with disabilities, um, trying to be sure that we're being more inclusive and uh, really reaching out to folks and. You know, it is ju not just those folks. Like you say, if if you have a child who can be disruptive uh, to some situations, you might feel uncomfortable being sure. in oh, that sure. situation. Sure. Absolutely. So you know, it so it really is getting the whole family to communion. Yeah, I can see that that uh, mom or dad or sibling or you know caretaker uh, has has that anxiety as well for sure. Exactly. So yes, we're we're trying to do that, and uh, Sacramento is trying to uh, encourage these uh, sensory friendly activities so that we can engage uh, more and more members of our community. So, and and this is diocesan wide. Uh, you, you're you're hoping that uh, people from uh, they don't have to be uh, parishioners at St. John the Evangelist that the, everybody will be welcome there. Exactly. Uh, at the first one we had, we had about 10 or 12 different parishes represented. Mm -hmm. um, I'm hoping to double that for this one. And uh, then we're, we'll be hoping to look for somebody a little more northern in the diocese to pick up the next one. Like, like Alturas? <laughs> maybe Alturas. <laughs> yeah, uh, maybe I'll or, or, or Chico or Redding sure. or any of those that, sure. who might be interested in picking it up. Um, it's, it's not that hard to do. We have, you know, you use the children's missile for the readings. So the readings are simple. Um, doesn't take a lot of people. You know, we don't want a lot of people on the altar. It's just very simple and uh, just easy going. So there's not. We don't need eight altar servers and incense and bells and everything. None of that's happening. It's going to be very quiet and gentle, so it's easy to do, and uh, we're trying to spread the word. Terry, talk about your involvement in this. What's your, what's your role, and how did you get involved? I got involved because there is a committee um, for um, addressing the needs of folks with disabilities in the diocese and uh, was invited to be on it um, by Deacon Kevin Saskow. Mm -hmm. And so I got engaged in that respect and I'm just finding it really rewarding. Um, we have also are doing workshops for catechists, you know, more and I, I got asked to do it because I've been a catechist for some time. And we're more and more, we're finding kids with, uh, different disabilities in our catechism classes and how do you teach those kids so I was looking for resources on how to do that and they said gosh you seem like you're interested let's put you on the committee so we're always looking for folks who are interested and we're we do workshops we did a workshop last year on autism and what it means and how to address it and those kind of things so we're trying to make resources available to all of the folks um, who might encounter folks with dis different disabilities. Well, it seems like 
there are so many hurdles, so many challenges, and I'm sure you're aware, as I'm assuming, that one size doesn't fit all either. Oh, so absolutely true. Absolutely true. No, we have, you know, you might have a young person who is uh, wheelchair bound and um, has difficulty speaking, but it is absolutely, you know, the uh, the Stephen Hawking example can't right, speak, right. but isn't absolutely getting everything that you're saying. On the other hand, you might have a kid who uh, appears to be, you know, able to be a football player and out doing all those things who is just slower in picking up the concepts mm-hmm. that you're trying to teach. So absolutely there, there is no one size fits all. And, that's why we're all looking for resources uh, to address those kids in our classes. You, I, I presume you may even have kids who want bells and whistles, <laughs> you know. Absolutely true. Absolutely true. And uh, kids who want more stimulus, um, that is, is kind of a, a lesser problem. They can get, you know, their, their parents, uh, can bring them and, and mm-hmm. stimulate them in different ways. Um, so, but you're absolutely right. There are kids who need to have more going on, who can't just sit quietly when things are very quiet. So it is, as you say, a, a child-by-child basis. So given that, what, what sort of, as, as you and, and your committee and, and all the people that are working on this, what sort of challenges did, did you face uh, personally and the committee um, in, in putting this together? I, I just I, I find it fascinating, but also uh, very challenging. Well, the first thing, the first challenge is that people don't know what it is when you first say a sensory friendly mask. Mm-hmm. And we got calls going, what kind of crazy stuff is this? And, right. You know, has this been approved by the Pope and all those things? Like, no, no, really, it's, it's fine. It'll be just fine. Don't, you know, don't t- start taking shots at it before you know what it is. Um, so that was the first hurdle. Um, but beyond that, you know, it's, it is one more thing for priests. Our priests are already overburdened. And, you know, one more thing to fit in the schedule. So that's always there. Uh, we need a uh, church facility that can easily accommodate folks in wheelchairs uh, who need a space to step out. Not, of, not all of our, uh, our churches are designed for that. So um, those are kind of the things we're looking at that, is, that have been challenging. But the, the first one is that um, folks judge it before they go. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm hoping... I'm hoping people will come and and see how beautiful it is to engage all of these folks who are not always welcome in traditional mass settings. Do you, do you yeah I hope the same. Do you, do you get input from from parents and uh, caregivers? Absolutely and we have a number of those folks on the committee. Um, but uh, yes, we're reaching out to folks in the different parishes and saying, what do you need? What will work? Um, I know when I first started to bring this to St. John's, um, you know, Father Dominic said, what do I need to do? So I've given him a number of resources. I've talked to uh, 
folks in our community, in our parish communities saying, do you think this will work? Do you think we could do this? Mm -hmm. uh, just given our facility and what we've got going on. So talking to folks, seeing what their needs are, seeing how we can accommodate them is absolutely a critical part. Um, one of the things we do is uh, we offer gluten-free hosts. Mm -hmm. And so we need to ask folks, is that something you want? Is that something you need? And in different settings, the answers to those questions will be different. Wow. Is gluten implicated in autism? Um, I don't know the answer to that. I don't know the answer to that. I just know that some of our um, Regar regardless may, may prefer that. Yeah. Have, have disabilities that, that include that because it, mm -hmm. it, again, it's not just, it's not singularly autism there. You know, we have sure. folks who have any number of disabilities. Um, and so anything uh, that we can do to make this a more welcoming environment is what we want. Is there a manual for any of this? I'm sorry, is there is, a what? Is there a manual for any of this? Um, it's starting to be there. The U.S. conference has uh, some some suggestions and guidelines. So, yes, there is. But I won't I won't call it a manual. I'll call it a couple of pages. Uh -huh. yeah. yeah, but building probably. Exactly. Exactly. And we're all working on it. You know, we took notes last year when we did the one at St. Clair. You know, how can we make this better? What do we need to do? We'll do that again after this year, and we'll just keep building that. So I'm a parish priest, and and you approach me, and I say, yeah, I'll 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 be on board. I'm 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 happy to try to make this work. What what kind of instructions? What kind of guidelines would a parish priest have for for the uh, sensory friendly mass? Um, to use uh, simple readings. Mm -hmm. uh, that generally the children's liturgy um, to keep the homily short and easy to understand. Uh, no lights, no no incense. Keep keep the music very gentle and very soft. Limit the music so that we're not singing a lot of different parts of the mass. Just keep mm -hmm. it spoken. Um, and 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 keep the mass short and be willing to you know, be prepared that there will be families up moving around. Mm -hmm. So those are probably the key guidelines. Do you have guidelines for the for the families? Um, not not specifically. We encourage them to come, you know, as they are. We. Uh, have ushers there to help them get into the building, to know where the restroom is. We have a quiet space that, you know, if your child really does need to come out of the, the big church, move them out to a quiet space. We can do that. Um, but beyond that, we just encourage them to uh, participate with us as they can and be comfortable there. Is, is there any evidence one way or the other that uh, it would be better in a small chapel or in a cathedral or is, is the size and grandeur of the building, does that have anything to do with this? 
does the the grandeur doesn't seem to the issue is um compactness you don't uh-huh. want to have a crowding situation mm-hmm. so you know we had we, we want plenty of room for families to sit by themselves without being immediately next to other families with different issues right right um so a small church you might want to not have quite as not a diocesan wide mass um but um otherwise the the decoration doesn't seem to be an mm-hmm. issue mm-hmm. <clears throat> so i'm 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 curious. Uh, obviously, this this will take place uh, February 11 at St. John the Evangelist in Carmichael, one o'clock. Uh, mass starts. Uh, where will people go the next Sunday, or the previous Sunday, or uh, Sundays after? Well, you know, with COVID, we've kind of gotten in a space where folks can go to mass online. But uh, and many of these families go to traditional masses. Um, where they feel comfortable, where they feel welcome, and often have to slip out to the narthex and, you know, take their Mm -hmm. child out to the narthex if they can or uh, do that. But a lot of them don't go every week just because um, that member of their family doesn't seem ready to do it. Right. So, so yeah, in an ideal world, we would have one of these masses Proximate for everyone every week. Yeah, uh, I'm hoping to have them regularly enough that that people feel welcome uh, at least once a year. Is there is there a yeah? And I know there's there's so much goes go into it logistically and uh, uh, time wise and, and everything else that right now it's not possible to. I mean, it's almost almost in an experimental stage, if you will. Uh, but absolutely. But the, the, it seems as if, and I wonder uh, if. Some parents, if, if maybe if you had them a little more regularly, uh, like you say, that's something that would be a great goal. But if parents actually would find or care, caregivers that it may make being at these sensory friendly masses may make it easier to take their child ultimately to a mainstream mass. Hope so. Absolutely. I, I would certainly hope so. And that would be a goal, too. And, you know, once priests have done it and say, you know, I get this now, I can do this, I want to be active, I know St. Clair in Roseville is doing them on a parish level on a more regular basis. Oh, so uh, it's, you know, getting getting that first try in there and go, oh, this isn't, I can do this. Um, so hopefully we'll get more that are just not diocese-wide, but just happening on a parish level. Yeah, which ultimately would just be, just be fabulous, you know. To yeah, uh, um, yeah, I, we all, you know, we 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 all have our needs, and it's wonderful to uh, to see a really strong diocesan-wide effort in in this regard. Because I I know for those parents and those caregivers, it's it's a real challenge, and. Um, it's it's a it's a daily challenge, and and this is a, a part of of life that is. I mean, it's the whole ball game. <laughs> you know, it's it's right. You know, and uh, you know, one of the things that 
we used to do, we would say, oh, I'm the catechist. I'm not able to deal with your child. So here's some stuff you teach them. Right. That's just one more thing for parents who are already overwhelmed with everything they have to do for their special needs child. And to say, oh, and, and here, prepare them for confirmation too, um, is a big ask. And so this is something we can be doing where the rest of the community is helping pitch in for those parents. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we're with, with Terry Burns talking about the sensory-friendly mass for Catholics uh, taking place, uh, coming up just circle this date, February the 11th at St. John the Evangelist in Carmichael. It'll start at uh, 1 p.m., and it's probably uh, conclude shortly after. Uh, it will not be a long mass. It will not be a long mass. I, I This is not, you know, sometimes you go to these special masses and they go on for a long time. This will be done before the hour is out. Yeah. So do people, What do, is there some preparation that people should take? Is there, are there materials for people in preparation? Uh, do they need to sign up? Uh, maybe some of the nuts and bolts that way. They know there are no materials they need to uh, bring. Um, it, they don't need to sign up if they have special needs for gluten-free hosts or things. We will ask at the door uh, so that they can indicate that then. But otherwise, just come. Uh, bring as many as the folks in your family as you want to bring. So, it, you know, it isn't just uh, the individual and the caregiver, but the whole family is welcome. Very good. And uh, so no, no sign up or anything like that? Nope, nope. Uh, you'll know if you, you can get away that day and that come and join us. And it, it's on a Sunday. It covers the Sunday obligation, so you can check that off. How big of a group did you have at St. Clair? We had about 60, I believe. Uh-huh. So uh, I, I would love to double that this time. Very good, very good. Well, there are, there are certainly a lot out there that uh, will be greatly served by this, I'm sure, and uh, and uh, many, many of them very thankful, and their parents and caregivers very thankful, and other family members for sure. So it's uh, <laughs> uh, you're to be commended. I, I know this is this is uh, tough work, but uh, you're, you're in the video, you're doing it. So. Greatly appreciate you taking the time to be with us and uh, the time that you're uh, doing, putting together this century, you and, and the committee putting together the Century Friendly Mass and our clergy, of well, course. Thanks for, thank you for your interest, Bob. I really appreciate you talking about it. Well, God bless and uh, have a, a happy and merry and holy Christmas. You as well. You too. Bye-bye. Take care. That's uh, Terry Burns. Again, the Century Friendly Mass, February the 11th, uh, a Sunday. Uh, in 2024, hard to believe, that's coming up. St. John the Evangelist and Carmichael at 1 p.m. We'll take a quick break, back with more on the Bishop's Hour right after this. We'd like to thank all the wonderful people and organizations, uh, businesses in town uh, and throughout the Diocese of Sacramento who have provided underwriting for the Bishop's Hour. Uh, some in the last few years, some uh, have been with us for a very long time. 
If you would like to be an underwriter for the Bishop's Radio Hour, uh, it's a wonderful opportunity to to support this mission and also to support the diocese and also uh, to get some uh, recognition for uh, your organization or for your business. The easiest way to do this is to uh, give us a shout, send us an email, radio at scd.org, and we can give you all the details about uh, helping to underwrite the Bishop's Radio Hour. Again, that's radio at scd.org. Hi, I'm John McGinnis, retired sheriff of Sacramento County, and you're listening to the Bishop's Hour with Bob Dunning. Thank you for that wonderful introduction, uh, Sheriff McGinnis, and for all you have done in, uh, in our area over your career. Much appreciated. Welcome back, everyone. Uh, appreciate you taking the time to be with us today on the Bishop's Hour. As you, as you may have uh, heard and probably have, uh, either through uh, uh, going to Holy Mass and hearing about it or maybe uh, reading it in the newspaper or hearing it on the news, the, the Diocese of Sacramento has decided to file bankruptcy, uh, Chapter 11 bankruptcy. There, there are different uh, chapters, if you will, in the bankruptcy law, and, and this one is, is what suits uh, the, the needs here. But uh, I will read, read you, if you haven't heard or if you'd like to little, know a little bit more, the letter to the faithful about the upcoming bankruptcy from our bishop, Bishop Jaime Soto. Uh, bishop writes, Dear friends in Christ, after careful consideration and cons- consultation, I have made the decision to file a Chapter 11 petition on behalf of the Diocese of Sacramento with the United States Bankruptcy, Bankruptcy Court in 2024. I expect to do so in March. It is now clear to me that the only respectful, transparent, and fair way to address the substantial number of claims by those who have been abused by clergy and other members of the church is to seek a court-supervised reorganization. This process will allow me to sustain the sanctifying, teaching, and charitable work of the Catholic community in Northern California. Without such a reorganization process, it is likely that not all the abuse victim survivors would receive a fair consideration of their claim. The funds available to settle claims could be depleted by the first few cases addressed, leaving those that follow uh, with little or no compensation. Last spring, I presented the very serious financial situation for the Diocese of Sacramento as I responded to more than 250 lawsuits alleging sexual abuse by clergy or other church staff. I had promised to update you when I had reached a decision regarding the path forward. I remain steadfast in my belief that I must continue to atone for the horrible sin of clergy sexual abuse, the sickening evil that was perpetrated upon innocent children, and the failure of church leadership to address it appropriately has caused unfathomable pain that endures. It is these sins that brought us to this place. Pray for the healing of victim survivors. The pain inflicted on them lasts a lifetime, and so our atonement must be a lifetime commitment. The reorganization process will allow the work of the diocese to continue. My coworkers and I will continue to support parishes, schools, and charitable organizations serving families and communities in need. Importantly, Parishes and schools would continue their operations uninterrupted. It is only the administrative office of the bishop that will be seeking bankruptcy protection. Bankruptcy is a costly and lengthy process, but it also provides supervision and transparency for all the parties involved 
so that a fair resolution is offered to the victim survivors of abuse. Please join me in prayer for this journey of atonement and renewal that must begin. With God's mercy, we will emerge from this necessary penitential exercise with greater resolve to be a humble sanctuary of holiness and healing for all the sons and daughters of God in Northern California. Respectfully, Jaime Soto, Bishop of Sacramento. Very, very strong, powerful words, a, a difficult day for sure, a difficult decision for uh, the bishop. But uh, I'd, I'd invite you to go to the diocesan website, scd.org, and uh, read the letter for for yourself, and, uh, and it's it's all there. And obviously, there will be more in the days and weeks and months ahead as as we uh, enter into Chapter Eleven bankruptcy. Well, the uh, Rachel's Vineyard Healing Retreat uh, will take place February sixteen to eighteen, and we're going to have a a number of things here that will sort of circle the date things, uh, just to to get you uh, caught up on what's happening in the new year, the early part of the new year. Those who choose abortion are our daughters, sons, husbands, wives, sisters, brothers, relatives, friends, and members of our parish communities. The impact and pain of abortion hurts even years after the experience. If you or a loved one has been hurt by abortion, this weekend is for you. Come and experience God's healing love and forgiveness in a safe, non-judgmental environment. It's open to both men and women. For more information, call 916-733- 0161 or go to Project Rachel, that's R A C H E L, at scd.org. Again, it's uh, the retreat itself is February 16 to 18. It is residential that you do spend the night on uh, uh, the 16th and the 17th. The annual Respect Life Gathering will take place on January 13 of the new year from 8 a.m. to noon. At St. Lawrence the Martyr Parish, 4325 Don Julio Boulevard in North Highlands. Respect Life leaders and teams are invited to the annual Respect Life Ministry Gathering. You're invited to join Bishop Soto for Holy Mass at 8 a.m., followed by the gathering from 9 a.m. to noon. Speakers will include Heather Suarez, Renee and Lily Perez, and Molly Sheehan. Molly is uh, the pro-life coordinator for the California Catholic uh, Conference of Catholic Bishops, which represents all the bishops of the state of California. Uh, and we're, we're really, uh, really lucky to have Molly. She does such, uh, such great work at the uh, California Catholic Conference, which is headquartered here in Sacramento. Also, um, if you're seeking to grow more in your faith, if you're looking to be certified as a catechist or a minister, you can enroll now for the Catechetical Foundations course that starts in January. For more information, go to scd.org backslash catechetical foundations or contact uh, Yasmin Ortiz. Uh, Yasmin is at J-O-R-T-I-Z at scd.org. Also, uh, if you're looking for resources to strengthen your domestic church, the Catechetical Institute, has a workshop for you. It's called the Family Domestic Church and School of Holiness. You can register for free at francisathome.com and search for partner diocese. And you can find your parish under the Diocese of Sacramento, of course. Uh, again, for questions, uh, contact Yasmin Ortiz at J Ortiz, that's O R T I Z, at scd.org. Well, our good, good. Folks at Camp Pandola, led by Jennifer Campbell, who's the, been the camp director for a number of years now, 
They're looking for all kinds of folks, including a year-round facility supervisor and caretaker who will live on-site at Camp Pandola and oversee all maintenance of the camp, seeking someone with general knowledge of carpentry, electrical work, plumbing, janitorial care, sort of a jack-of-all-trades or a jill-of-all-trades, who is able to work independently and with a team. For more information, uh, contact Jennifer Campbell, the director. She's at 916-733-0135, or uh, you can email Jennifer at jcampbell at scd.org. Well, Holy Spirit Church uh, on 3159 Land Park Drive, right in downtown Sacramento, Spiritu, the adult ministry group at Holy Spirit Church, will hold its monthly meeting on Friday, January 5th, in partnership with the Diocesan Office of Respect Life and Office of Youth and Young Adults. The evening will include a presentation on the impact of maternity homes and the lives of resident mothers and a conversation of pro-life apologetics and how we can communicate our Catholic belief and respect for life to the people of our time. You're invited to join in this important dialogue and the friendship shared among the members of Espiritu. For more information, uh, you can go uh, check the the Dawson uh, pro-life events uh, at scd.org or any uh, questions, uh, call 916-733-0133 or uh, dpatterson at scd.org, or Espiritu uh, Patrick McGinn. He's the Espiritu moderator. It's Patrick McGinn, M-C-G-I-N-N-1, at gmail.com. Again, that's uh, January 5th in the evening at uh, Holy Spirit Church, which is at 3159 Land Park Drive in Sacramento, right out, right on Land Park. Also, the... Uh, just a couple of things from the diocese, uh, from the Office of Vocations. World Day of Consecrated Life will be celebrated next year on February 3rd and 4th, and the World Day of Prayer for Vocations will take place on April 24th of the new year. The uh, 2024 Respect Life Gathering, and we talked about this uh, a, a couple of minutes ago, but a reminder again, the 13th of January, uh, all at St. Lawrence the Martyr Parish. Uh, Heather Suarez, a sidewalk counselor from 40, uh, 40 Days for Life coordinator, will be one of the speakers. Renee and Lily Perez, Heartbeat International Support, and Molly Sheehan from the California Catholic Conference. For more information on this, and it includes a diaper drive, for more information, 916-733-0123. And in the new year as well, calling on all ministry adult leaders in parishes, schools, and college campus ministries to join the Youth and Young Adult Ministry mini-conference on Saturday, January 27, 10 a.m. to 3 p.m. at St. John Vianney Parish in Rancho Cordova. The theme is epistrepho, which is the Greek translation for to turn back or to change. They're excited to have as a keynote speaker Raymond Chang, executive director of 10 Times 10 Organization, an ecumenical Christian collaborative whose aim is to help church communities make faith matter more in the lives of young people. As we ring in the new year as ministry leaders, it is an opportune time to re-examine our work with young people, face the reality of current challenges, and allow the Holy Spirit to change how we engage youth and young adults in our community. 
uh, please mark your calendar and mark uh, and join join on January 27, Saturday, 10 a.m. to 3 p.m. at St. John Vianney Parish in Rancho Cordova. You can, uh, if you have questions, contact Alex Barraza, 916-733-0134, or Steve Doe at 916-733-0151. Uh, and a, a reminder, uh, in case you missed it, and uh, you, if you uh, see the bishop, if you run into the bishop, uh, you should congratulate him. Uh, he has, uh, in uh, November, uh, celebrated his 15th anniversary as a bishop of the Diocese of Sacramento. And just as a reminder, in October uh, 2007, uh, October 11, Pope Benedict XVI named Bishop Soto as coadjutor bishop for the Diocese of Sacramento, and he was welcomed into the diocese on November 19 of 2007. While serving as coadjutor bishop, he served as moderator of the Curia, vicar for Hispanics and other ethnic ministries, and represented many pastoral and civic groups. And then on November 29 of 2008, Bishop Soto became the head of the diocese upon the retirement of the Most Reverend Bishop William Wigand. So uh, the uh, that's the date that and 15 years from then, March 29 of 2023, just last month, he celebrated his 15th anniversary as the uh, bishop of the diocese of Sacramento. The annual pro-life mass of reparation will take place Monday, January 22nd. That is the anniversary uh, date of Roe v. Wade. It uh, is designated as a diocesan day of reparation. You're asked to participate through fasting, prayer, penance, and works of mercy. The mass will take place at the Cathedral of the Blessed Sacrament at 10, 12.10 p.m. 12.10 p.m. Uh, the cathedral is at 10.19 11th Street. So the, the Mass will begin at this regular weekday Mass, but it will be the annual pro-life Mass of Reparation, January 22nd, 1210 p.m. at the Cathedral downtown. Another circle the date, World Marriage Day, Saturday, February 3rd from 1 to 3 p.m. This year it will take place at St. Charles Borromeo Parish at 7584 Center Parkway in Sacramento, You're invited to join as we honor marriage and salute the beauty of faithfulness, sacrifice, and joy in married life. There will be a special blessing for sacramentally married couples and an opportunity for them to renew their marital commitment. After Mass, there will be an opportunity to receive a blessing and a picture with Bishop Soto. And, of course, you can always bring your family. Uh, It's a wonderful family day as well. Then the Century Friendly Mass for Catholics, which we've discussed previously, Catholics with Special Needs and Their Families is February 11, 1 to 4 p.m. at St. John the Evangelist Church, although the Mass itself will be uh, considerably shorter than that. Uh, The Diocesan Ministry for Catholics with Disabilities will host this Mass uh, at St. John the Evangelist. Mass itself will begin at 1 p.m. It will serve the needs of those with autism and other health challenges that require less stimulus by lowering lighting, soft music, and simpler texts and homilies. For more information on this, uh, contact Terry Burns. Terry is at 916-802-8343. Again, it will all take place at St. John the Evangelist Church, 5751 Locust Avenue in uh, Carmichael. Vocari, uh, who are who are you called to be? 
will take place on February 23rd and 24th. This is sponsored by the uh, Office of Vocations here in the diocese, the Office of uh, Priestly and Religious Vocations. It's a young adult discernment retreat for men and women ages 18 to 35. Young adults will have the opportunity to reflect and ponder on the vocation, gain tools for discernment and prayer as they meet with religious women and men to discern their vocation, whether it be religious life or priesthood. Registration is now open. The weekend schedule will be Friday, February 23, from 4 p.m. to 9 p.m., and Saturday, February 24, from 9 a.m. to 5 p.m., all taking place at the Pastoral Center, 2110 Broadway, here in Sacramento. Deus Vocat, the retreat for girls ages 13 to 17, will take place April 26th to the 28th. Not too soon to uh, circle the date and start talking to your teenager about uh, attending this. God is calling girls ages 13 to 70. They'll learn about religious orders, consecrated life, and married life, and a lot of time for prayer, fellowship, games, and more. All take place at uh, Trinity Pines uh, Catholic Center, 28,000 Rollins Lake Road up in Colfax. Uh, so that's a, it can be a, a really great uh, event, and it, it, attendance every year has been spiking. Espiritu, uh, the young adult group at Holy Spirit Church in Sacramento, will host its monthly meeting in par- partnership with the Office of Respect Life Ministry and the Office of Youth and Young Adults. Uh, it will all take place, as we mentioned previously, at Holy Spirit Church Friday, January 5, from 6 to 9 p.m. And circle the date for the West Coast Walk for Life, the annual. This is the 20th annual Walk for Life, uh, Saturday, January 20th. It's always on the the Saturday near uh, the Roe v. Wade anniversary of January 22. Uh, The the, uh, presentations, the speakers will begin at 12.30 p.m., followed by a march down uh, Market Street to the uh, ferry building. Uh, The actual... uh, Rally takes place at the Civic Center Plaza uh, from beginning at 12.30 p.m. in San Francisco. A lot of people will be uh, taking buses from your parish, so so the, you can check with your parish uh, and see if they're taking a bus or any nearby buses. And uh, busing is, is the best way to get there because you don't have to worry about parking, and the bus takes you right to the uh, Civic Center Plaza. Although if you, if you want to park, and you think, oh boy, in San Francisco, parking's a, a nightmare. It can be, but there's a huge parking facility under Civic Center Plaza. And every year that I've gone to the uh, Walk for Life West Coast, uh, there's always plenty of parking there uh, at Civic Center Plaza, right under it. And you just hike up the hike up the stairs, and there you are at at the rally. So it's actually very very convenient if you uh, if you want to drive or if you want to go maybe the night before and. Uh, uh, be there so that you don't have to drive in the morning. The uh, the Camp Pendola and, and Camp Camptonville is also looking for counselors, cooks, chefs, bottle washers, <laughs> uh, uh, mostly counselors. Uh, to be a counselor, you have to be 18, and you have to uh, um, have graduated from high school. But other than that, a lot of our camp counselors are College students, many of them are repeat. Uh, many of them are people who are, were campers at Camp Pendola in their youth, and uh, uh, but they're they're filling all these positions. It pays well, 
and you you do get a couple of days off every week. You're not you're not at camp for the whole the whole uh, session. You you do get a couple a couple of days off every week. Um, for more information, contact Jennifer Campbell. She's at 916-733-0135 or jcampbell at scd.org. And it's not too late to uh, thank some of our priests and deacons uh, who are celebrating anniversaries during the month of December. Uh, just to list these here, and the dates are all throughout the uh, month. Uh, Father Sonia Canaselli, Father Diego Baptista, uh, Father Ernesto Gile, Father Julius Caburu, uh, Father Thomas X. Davis, Father Michael Hebda, uh, Father Lawrence Kathinji, Father uh, Walter Borkowski, Father Jose Campos, Father Jose Estaniel, Father Rechaman Chandy, Father Joseph Sebastian, Father Ruben Thanikopal, and Father Josie Vatalu, and Father George Mathai. Also the deacons, Deacon Daniel Blanton, Deacon Jaime Garcia, Deacon Rodolfo Q. Uh, those are all celebrating anniversaries uh, with uh, uh, Father George Mathai on the very last day, the 31st of December. They're all sons. We really thank all of them for their, their great work here in the, uh, in the Diocese of Sacramento. You know, Gabe? Bob, I was thinking about the, the jobs you were talking about, uh, yeah. Trinity Pines or, uh, or Camp Pandola. I kind of like the idea of that, that the caretaker job. Yeah, your family might miss you. <laughs> I mean, for the first week. I'm sure it's they get over it. Like, it's like that PSA ad, the PSA, Southwest Airlines ad. You want to get away? Right. <laughs> I mean, okay, I, without the family, I think it'd be a good job. Uh, because, I, I don't know, I just I like the idea of living up there and all that. It'd be nice. I mean, I'm pretty handy, and I'm sure I could I'm sure I could keep things running. It'd be not, it'd be a good job for somebody. I think I think that, that there's a lot of cool jobs up there, but I think, uh, for me that would be kind of a nice one. It's yeah, up. I think I think for some people it would be an an ideal job. Somebody that's a self starter, yeah. somebody that you know is is handy with, uh, you know, a, a, a hammer and a saw and uh, uh, electrical and plumbing and and everything else. And uh, we used to call those people handymen. Uh, right, but it could could be a woman as well, and you're. Obviously, you have to be able to work without a lot of supervision, but also work as part of the team because they they do come up on weekends sometimes and help clean up and help uh, prepare for camp. But and it's, camp is such a, a a wonderful part of this diocese; it's been going on for over sixty years now. But they they really do need somebody there year round. Uh, they do get winter up there; it's at about three thousand feet. They don't get a lot of snow, but they can get some snow. They get some rain. They get. You know, things need to be taken care of. The lawn needs to be mowed, and uh, you know, the probably the cabins need a little bit of work now and then, and on and okay. on and on. And so you're char- sort of in charge of the whole, the whole shebang, if you will. Got to keep the bears out. Yeah. Got to make sure you know it's it's one of those things that sounds funny, but it's true. If you there's no human presence, bears and them will kind of come around and check yeah. out these these human caves that are left yeah. unattended. So even having a person up there just for that is is always good. Right up on the edge of the Tahoe National Forest. Yeah. It's beautiful country. I've, I've been there, uh, and it's it has a chapel, and uh, it's 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 a different place, obviously, in the summer than it is in the 
winter. But this is a year round. You know, fall is beautiful up there, and winter is winter. And uh, I can I can see for certain people it would be a tremendous job. Yeah, and and, and also the seasonal jobs. I mean, you know, I think I think somebody who <clears throat> like my nephew has worked at a bunch of different restaurants, and he wants to be a, a chef. He wants to be a cook, you know, or a chef. I guess is the the correct term for the person who runs a restaurant. And he's worked at a bunch of different places. And I think that somebody who is young and has the aspiration to to cook, and, and, and because thanks to a lot of television shows sort of glorifying that position, there's a lot of people now who are wanting to do that job when they grow up, so to speak. Um, I think that'd be a great opportunity for somebody who's maybe been in that business for a year or so and is really trying to test their mettle to see if whether or not they can handle a large kitchen. Because, you know, I mean, it's it, it, it's... It's a, a great opportunity. Well, it's, it's three a sh- meals a day for maybe yeah. 80, 90, 100 people. It's yeah. not it's not you just uh, making bag lunches for 10 people. It's right. it's a it's a intensive job if you will. Yeah, you can get through that. I mean, I'm sure, you know, brush night at a restaurant is not going to be nearly yeah. as stressful. So I I I, I think that'd be a, a really great job for somebody to kind of do it as a testing ground for whether or not they they can do that job and and I'm sure there's a lot of listeners we have out there who have who have teenage, you know, tw- early 20s-year-old kids who are trying to do that vocation and give and the, it a shot. And the counselor jobs are, are great because uh, they, they work around the schedules of the CSUs and the community colleges and the UCs, and and just about everybody, they're done in time for everybody to get back to college if that's what they're doing. Right. And they do get... They do get a couple of days off during the week. I mean, not not during camp, but, but camp ends like you know, I believe on a, a Friday uh, dinner time, and then you're you're free to go. You, you know, if you live in the valley or something, you're, you're maybe an hour away from where you live, or maybe a couple hours. And you get home on Friday night. You have all day Saturday, and then you're back to the camp by Sunday at noon. So it's not like you're there for the whole block, right? You know, so um, it's it sounds like uh, an ideal job for a college student and you hear a lot of people who talk about you know when they're younger they made friends in camp that they you know now thanks to social media maybe can reconnect with but you hear people who are counselors they stay friends with those people forever i mean oh, they, yeah yeah you you just sort of it's sort of like right. that we met at camp yeah i yeah. met at camp but we were both working but we're still looking for people who may have been campers yeah uh at the very first camp pandola and if if you were we would love to hear from you. And, I mean, there's certainly got to be a number of people around. Uh, there's, say, 60, 61 years old. If you were a 10-year-old camper, you're late 60s, early 70s, something like that. So it's a, there, I'm sure there are a lot of people around who were campers in those in those early years. Yeah. Uh, the Camp Pendola, named for the Pendola family who uh, donated the camp. It used to be sort of a lumber camp. And... Uh, Beautiful, tons of trees, um, just a beautiful, beautiful set. Right, right at that point of the foothills of the Sierra Nevada where you're just transitioning from, you know, oak and deciduous trees into the, into the evergreens. So just, yeah. just a beautiful, beautiful facility, uh, rustic, if you will. Uh, but they have, they have indoor cabins, but they're, you know, they're, they're not uh, – uh, cabin like like your it's not uh, glamping it's it's yeah it's not glamping it's definitely it's rustic camping it's in a rustic cabin camping and, and yeah but you have a you have counselors within each cabin and and uh, uh, everybody everybody just raves about camp pandola it's that perfect marriage of of everything being 
rustic and kind of off the grid, but also very safe yeah. and well taken care of. And the grounds are really well taken care of and a tremendous number of, uh, you know, opportunities for different, you know, they have archery, they have swimming, they have uh, hikes in the, in the forest, they have uh, all kinds of what, and each week they have a different theme. Is there fishing there? Don't think they have, I don't, the pond is for swimming. I know there's the other pond that I went to, went fishing that's a, one that's time. That's a Trinity Pines. Yeah, and I didn't catch a thing in there. And then I find out as I'm leaving that the fish don't bite in the winter. Oh. So <laughs> I went at the wrong time. I spent an entire afternoon out there. It was beautiful and hung out with yeah. the family. And they have a, a cat that lives on the grounds out there. It was a big old Maine Coon looking cat. A lot of cat. events take place at Trinity Pines. Yeah. And, uh, uh, at retreats and things like that. Yeah, that place is great, too. Um, I was going to ask you real quick. We had a couple minutes left. Um Outside of of you know the the mass and all the religion religious uh, goings on during the season, are you uh, are you what is anything you do normally on Christmas time that you like to do with the family? Well, yeah, obviously, dur- you know during during Lent. I mean, uh, w- during Advent, uh, Lent, uh, Advent. Um, <laughs> it's you know you, you you we really try to emphasize each Sunday the four Sundays of, of Advent, uh, because they're all distinct and they all have a different theme, if you will, and leading into, uh, Christmas. And so that's, that's an important, important thing, you know, the, the Advent wreaths, the Advent candles. Um, but, but beyond, beyond sort of the ceremony of it, the, the, what, what, what do each of these Sundays mean? What does the, the entire, uh, period of Advent mean? And then we move right into it. Obviously, very different this year in that Christmas Eve mm-hmm. is also the fourth Sunday of Advent. Yeah. Is also a Sunday. Uh, and normally in most parishes in the Diocese of Sacramento, most parishes around the country, you'll have a you'll have a Saturday vigil mass, just on a normal weekend, you'll have a Saturday vigil mass. Generally four thirty, five, five thirty in that in that range, sometimes seven o'clock. And then on Sunday you'll have a a whole a schedule of masses, uh eight AM, sometimes even earlier, eight AM, nine thirty, eleven, maybe a a, a a Spanish mass or two, depending on the parish, uh a, a mass in Chinese, uh you know, various languages we have as well, uh Vietnamese. Uh, because the Diocese of Sacramento is one of the most diverse dioceses in the country. I was just reading that in another article, not about the Diocese of Sacramento, but about the city of Sacramento being one of the most ethnically diverse areas in the country. And and our faith very definitely reflects that. Uh, We have people from virtually any ethnic group you could name uh, in in the Catholic Church here in the Diocese of Sacramento, and masses to accommodate that in in various languages, but so you'll have maybe depending on the size of the parish too, but four or five or maybe even six masses during the course of a Sunday, not counting the vigil mass on Saturday. Now you have Christmas Eve being a Sunday. Most parishes, when Christmas is say on a weekday, they will have a mass on Christmas Eve, like a children's mass, sometimes they call it four o'clock, four thirty. Then the many of them will have another mass about eight 
p.m. on Christmas Eve, and then you'll have midnight mass. Not all parishes have midnight mass, but most do. And of course, midnight mass at the cathedral is a a, a big deal. And so it's one of those you got to do that once in your life. Uh, go to midnight mass at the cathedral of the Blessed Sacrament in downtown Sacramento, and you will you. It, it's transformative. It's it's beautiful and it's moving, etc. But that's all taking place on a Sunday, along with the normal Sunday mass schedule. We are going to have some priests who are uh, <laughs> burning the midnight oil literally. Uh, uh, a long, long, long day for uh, for them, but a, a very obviously. I'm. I don't think any of them are complaining. <laughs> It's a it's a wonderful uh, it's wonderful that we have so, so so many faithful clergy in this diocese that and but this will be this will be a very a very big and very long but very holy and meaningful day obviously uh, that Christmas Eve and then on Sunday and then uh, uh, Christmas Day Monday so it, it's it's a big weekend it's a it's a it's a very it's a it's a three day weekend for the church, right? You know, yeah, we hear about three day weekends. Uh, uh, it, it's uh, and and I know in, in our family, when, when the kids are little, they there's something intriguing to them about midnight mass. Uh, they're just something midnight. You know, they just it's 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 not twelve o'clock. Every everything else has a number. Midnight is midnight. You know, right, it's a right. it's a different thing, and. They're, but they're too young to go to midnight mass. They're, they just they can't stay up. But then they get to be teenagers, right in that range, and and that's when we we took our kids to midnight mass, and it's very powerful. It's just very powerful. Everyone else usually many churches will start midnight mass earlier, like maybe eleven thirty, maybe eleven with caroling, you know, participatory caroling from everybody. Um, we like in in more recent times we we go we we've tried to go to what what they call the children's mass it's kind of overemphasized but generally they'll they'll have the the students from the local catholic elementary school in our case st james and davis uh be major participants in it and 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 be part of the choir and etc and usually that's a Four thirty, five o'clock mass, something like that. People start arriving about three. Yeah, um, I would imagine. And it's always, it's wonderful to see. Uh, it, it doesn't matter if it's the vigil mass or if it's midnight mass or if it's mass masses on Christmas Day itself. Just overflowing, just overflowing with the faithful, and it's really, it's wonderful, really, really wonderful to see. So, and and then. You know, what, in terms of sort of secular things we might do, we'd love to go out and look at the Christmas lights. And I'm, I've been pleased how many people are going back to having manger scenes on their lawn or having, you know, the star and angels in there in maybe a bay window or something. Uh, a, a lot, and there's, there's a, yeah, there's a lot of the blow-up Santa Clauses and the, the, the bright lights and stuff, but a lot have, have gone back to, to the traditional what is Christmas about with their with their yard displays? And, and we really go out and look. Sometimes we'll drive into Sacramento to, to see lights or go to Woodland to see lights. And, and just, you know, uh, those things are always always a lot of fun to do. 
There's one in my neighborhood that I could tell is a husband and wife maybe have different ideas of how to celebrate Christmas. On one side of the of the of the grass is a manger scene. The other side is Star Wars and Snoopy uh, <laughs> Christmas stuff. <laughs> so I figured there was a compromise done there yeah, somewhere. Probably a compromise. <clears throat> there was yeah. a compromise. <laughs> well, Christmas is for everybody, including all of our listeners and uh, everybody who who uh, has been with us along the way. Thanks so much. Uh, God bless, and we'll talk to you again soon.